This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hi everyone, it's Doc with a special announcement. We are going to take a cruise through some of our most popular episodes from prior seasons to get everyone fired up. Now our new content will continue to drop on Saturdays each week, but we will also be re-releasing these great episodes on Monday for your morning commute. I know you've all heard about Classic Rock. Well, we're going to call these episodes Classic Doc. Sit back, settle in, and enjoy the ride. Hi everybody, it's Doc from the John Freakin' Mirpod, and I want to let you know about our new website on WordPress. Take a few minutes and check it out. You'll be able to find pictures of the pod's guests, links to the podcast and social media accounts, ways to support the pod, how to get in touch, and our entire back catalog is there, including episode summaries. Miss these sections of the JMT episodes? You can find them there. Missed a Triple Crowner episode? Yep, that's there too. World travelers, adventure athletes, polar explorers, Barkley Marathon competitors, authors, filmmakers, documentarians, and more are waiting for you. Take a look at the new website, and just a reminder, adventure lives here. Mile, mile and a half. The hikers answer to how much further? and always further than one and a half miles. So it was kind of the working title. Um, and basically it, it's Jen and Kelly making fun of me 
because I really most of the navigation sort of fell to me and, and Durand a bit as well. But they would always ask me how much further and I would, I guess I kept just whatever. Oh, I think we're about a mile, mile and a half. You know, I mean, that was just what I said. I didn't, I think because I legitimately thought we were only like a mile, mile and a half every time they'd ask, because that was around how far from camp you really wanted to know how far camp was, right? Yep. So I kept saying that and then they kept, they started teasing me about it, you know. Um, and then I think when it just came, again, we were trying to think of titles. That was kind of the funny one and it kind of matched the spirit and, and you know, um, there was, you know, some question if it wasn't too uh, esoteric, you know, or a little too out there. But at the end of the day, you know, we're like, I'm like, I'd rather have it be, I think we all kind of agreed, we'd all rather have it be something different, right? Or something that people hear and go, huh? You know what I mean? And, and you know, or what, what's that mean? You know, or, and the people that know it would get it, right? And that, mm -hmm. so that was kind of why we went with it. Um, we also, I don't think we ever came up with anything we liked. To be honest, I don't recall what the other ones were, which obviously shows how bad the other ones were. So <laughs> just by process of elimination and none of us being able to come up with anything more clever, you know, um, that, that's what we landed on. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freaking Muir Pod. Welcome to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Lace up those boots and sling on the pack for a romp through trails, short and long. With your host and renaissance man, Doc, it's time to embrace the suck. Welcome back to another week on the trail. I'm Doc, and this is the John Freakin' Muir Pod. Let's start off with a reminder. If you are enjoying the podcast, take just a minute and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not enjoying the pod, well, just go ahead and keep that to yourself. All right, on to this week's content. Well, this is a very special episode, and I know Chopper will enjoy that language, but really, this is a special episode. And I've decided that this one can't just wait for our regular weekly release. This is going to be a bonus episode that I'm going to release as soon as I've got it ready for consumption. Why, you ask? Well, let me introduce my co-host for this episode, and then we'll do a proper introduction of this week's guest. Welcome back to the John Freaking Muir Pod, my semi-regular co-host and always irregular hiker, Chopper. How you doing, Chopper? I'm great, Doc. How are you doing this evening? Fantastic. Fantastic. Really excited, as, as you may be able to tell. Yeah, every episode is a special episode. Yeah. But, like but I mean it this time. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not just blowing smoke towards those other, those other guests. This one is really special. Like Punky Brewster uh, special episode type thing. <laughs> Punky Brewster, you are really dating yourself. <laughs> All right, keep going. <laughs> I'll keep going. All right, let's right, go right by that. Okay. Okay, well, this week's guest, if not by name, then certainly by his work, has cropped up time after time in this podcast. So many of our guests have been inspired by his film, and when I had the chance to bring on one of the creators of the incredible John Muir Trail documentary, Mile, Mile and a Half, I just had to take that shot. It is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast one of the producers and co-directors and the writer for the film, Jason Fitzpatrick. Welcome to the pod, Jason. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. So I, I really this mean This is it. a very special episode. Hey, I should say, Chopper, this is a very special episode. It is I, special. I understand that, that all of them are said to be special, but just so you know, this is an extra special one, I think. And this is the first time I actually agree with Doc on <laughs> Oh, thanks. That's very kind of you. <laughs> and Jason, I really want to bring up something that, uh, you know, this is an inspiration for so many. 
and I was watching the film again today just to, to brush up and get ready for the episode. And I came to a part where Jen says in one segment that, you know, she refers to the fact that John Muir actually brought artists out to the Sierras. And then those artists, based on their experiences out there, you know, whether it was through painting or verse or prose, whatever it may be, they went on to inspire others and spark that interest in the outdoors, really just created this, this whole movement about getting out into our national parks and enjoying, you know, what we have here. And I would venture to say that you, through mile, mile and a half, have done the same thing. So many references to, to your film in, in all kinds of episodes. You know, we ask people always, you know, what, how did you get involved? Either how did you get involved with the outdoor cult and, and, and through hiking cult? And they'll talk about a mile, mile and a half. Or I'll ask them, you know, what did you do in preparation? And a lot of them say, just like, just like we said in our episode, Chopper, when we were talking about how we got out there and got inspired, one of the first things we did was, was watch Mile, Mile and a Half. And it just Absolutely. really gave us the, uh, the adventure bug. So congratulations on that. Oh, thanks, man. That's, that's very kind. And, and again, it's, I mean, I think we're amazed and constantly flattered at the response, you know, that the movie's gotten, you know, it's, it's been very rewarding in that way. All right. Now, I also know that in the, in the film, there was a brief discussion about trail names. You know, I, my, my, my name is not Doc. It doesn't show that on the driver's license. And, and Chopper, Chopper, he's got something else he, he has his paychecks made out to. Um, did you ever land on a firm and final trail name for yourself? Yeah, Tank, tank, tank Stuck. Tank. You know, because the first one they gave me was kind of silly because it was Emmett, which was their dog. And it was based on a joke that I had made about their dog that he only had two speeds, which were sleep and go. And I think really only like the first or the maybe one, maybe two nights in, I, I slept a lot and I went. And part of that was because I went, literally the day before, I went to my friend's wedding, one of my best friend's wedding, and then drove straight from that wedding at like 11, you know, out to up to the trailhead. So I had like no sleep the night before. Uh, we departed. So I was like a little underrested. So, <laughs> and then the first couple nights, you know, I was catching up on my sleep. But then after that, I think it was kind of normal. And you had to know their dog. So it didn't work. So, so Tank has stuck. And I actually had a nice experience. Um, uh, six weeks ago, I hiked with a hiker. I don't know if you guys know uh, who Airborne is. Uh, he had yo-yoed the PCT, but we met up up in uh, Southern uh, Oregon in the Bend area and hiked together. And he, his dog, it was his dog's birthday and his dog named Frank, his nickname is also Tank. So we had a hike with with uh two tanks together so we're built roughly the same obviously i'm taller as a human and but he's also quite a stout dog so that was kind of fun but yeah tank is the nickname and that, that's the one that stuck <laughs> did that get confusing in conversation on that hike not really because i i think um i think it was pretty much tank most of the way you know um most of you know i mean i think like most of the nicknames we kind of had the one once we landed on one we stuck with it you know so we mentioned a few of the ones i think those were more like ideas of what the trail name might have been but you got to fill out an hour and a half of the movie right so some of the things right. some of the ideas that didn't land and were never really used made it just to kind of i was actually you know being comedic and referring to your hike with airborne if you know having two tanks on the trail if that got confusing if if you or the dog you know inadvertently answered for the other one you know in conversation so well, well, as your YouTube viewers know, that I'll tell you what, that dog is way better looking than I am. So <laughs> I don't think it was a very hard, it was very hard to, to make the difference. Yeah. Yeah. I think they had uh, Pace, and, Pace and Jason and Sasquatch yeah. as, as yeah. alternates. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I am very Sasquatchy. I think that one might've worked, but I also feel like that's such a cliche. It's kind of a cliche, right? Like how many sauce, any big dude, hairy dude is going to be kind of look like a Sasquatch, you know? So I am, so I even, I am actually a third Sasquatch, two thirds Irish and then a third Sasquatch. So, (laughs) you know, it also, you know, could have been kind of construed as like a racial slur. So I think, you know, it's better that we stuck with tank and not, you know, not Sasquatch. So on your your mom's uncle side? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. On, on our trips, we had a Sasquatch. We just went with Big E because it was easier to say. The Sasquatch was just too hard to. Yeah. Same thing. Big guy, big beard. Yeah. It's no. just a natural. Yeah. But it does. Really, I've always wondered. Isn't Bigfoot kind of sound like a racial slur by today's sort of PC standards? Because it's like a physical just right. It'd be like Sasquatch exactly. is the proper term, and if you say Bigfoot, it's kind of racist. I don't know. I don't know. It's, Maybe it's, it's footism. Yeah. Okay, I'm just just trying to get canceled already. Yeah, Here we yeah, go. Don't right. don't be don't be a footist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. Hey, I I know you've listened to at least one episode, the yes. uh, the uh, Jeff Hester mm-hmm. uh, SoCal hiker yep. episode. So I'm not sure if you remember or not from that episode, but we do have a regular feature that I want to alert you to, and that is the pro tip insight of the week, and that is a segment towards the end where I will turn to you and I'll say, Jason or Tank. Tank, what is your pro tip inside of the week? What can you share with our listeners that's going to make their next outdoor adventure that much more epic? So don't be surprised when I, when I ask you for that tip. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be ready. Okay, very good. And then another feature we've been doing this season is the must-bring gear review. Here's how it works. If you were to let a stranger pack your bag with pretty much generic gear for a multi-day hike, what is the one specific piece of gear you would insist on being packed? And if you've got a particular brand for that specific piece of gear, even better. So Tank, what's your must bring piece of gear? Snacks, definitely snacks. <laughs> they would have to pack snacks, yeah. Um, what brand? Oh yeah, okay, more, more specific. Um, gosh, I'm trying to remember the name. I have, um, I actually, I am allergic to feathers. So you're going to get a long story here. Sorry. I know this is probably more of a quicker thing, but I'm allergic to feathers. So I can't do down, you know, no down sleeping bags, no down puffies or any of that kind of stuff. I finally found a sleeping bag that I love. It's a mountain hardware. I believe it's a spark is the name of the one, but it actually crushes down quite small and it's really warm. It's actually warmer than the bag I brought with me on the JMT. I won't, I won't throw the name of the, them under the bus, but it's rated, that one is rated 10 degrees warmer. And I swear to God, this one is warmer and it actually packs small, which is nice. Cause before, you know, I'd have to bring a giant pack regardless because of my sleeping bag would take up the entire bottom half of it, regardless of no matter what I did, you know, having to use the synthetic. Nice. Yeah, that's that bag be, would be the one thing. Yeah. That's gotta be tough being allergic to down and being a, a through hiker. It, it, it's getting better. Cause you know, they have all this micro ball and the synthetic down stuff is, is actually getting, getting quite good. But I, you know, I usually don't, I try to avoid paying full retail for all my outdoor gear, as I'm sure many of you do. The only thing I ever did, I, and that was like, that was like what I thought was way more than I'd ever spend was I got the first sort of micro ball North face jacket. That was like the first synthetic down one that was like packed super small and yet super warm. And now there's a bunch of competitors, so it's cheaper, but I paid someone got like 300 something dollars for it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is way more than I want to spend on a jacket, but it's great. I still have it. I still use it. It's fantastic. So I guess it, you know, it was worth every penny. And it was nice to kind of know what it's like for all you people that can use feathers, you know, what it's like for you guys to backpack, you know, <laughs> all you fancy hikers. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> 
Chopper, I don't know about you, but I was, I was a little bit concerned about where this conversation was going because he talked about snacks right off the bat. And then he, he went directly to feathers. I'm like, where, how, what's going on here? Raw chickens. I'm telling you, bring raw chickens full of protein. You know, you might get salmonella, but hey, you might get Giardia drinking the water up there. So, so, you know, who cares? (laughs) Nice. Nice. So, so what is your, your day job tank? What do you, what do you do to fund your adventures? Um, mostly editing, um, like, you know, in the entertainment industry, um, sort of how we got connected here. Obviously we have a mutual friend. I saw the last thing as a friend shout out. So he's going to get a shout out then Mm -hmm. teasing that. But, uh, yeah, I work as an editor, um, you know, for, for a little bit of everything. I'm freelance now, particularly so a little bit of everything from, from promos to trailers, to web content, to obviously documentaries, to done feature you know low budget feature films i've done a little bit of everything honestly but editing is kind of my bread and butter and that's uh you know that's what uh, pays for my outdoors that's what fuels my desire for the outdoors because i spend a lot of time in a dark room staring at a screen so yeah <laughs> nice now you mentioned low budget feature films and i saw chopper's eyes light up you're talking his language now so any anything we might uh, recognize not yet. The one I, so I did, I've done one, one basically, and it's still sort of out there in, um, in uh, uh, what's distribution hell. Um, so hopefully it gets out, but it, it's a sort of like a wannabe Caddyshack. You know what I mean? I say that in a good way. It's like a golf, a raunchy golf comedy, basically. So okay. obviously the thing it's going to be compared to would be uh, Caddyshack. But uh, yeah, it's sort of, uh, there's some distribution stuff going on with it. So hopefully it comes out, but uh, okay. as of now it's not, but, but down the road. So Tank did not reveal the title. So we no. just have to keep our eyes open for uh, raunchy golf comedies. And maybe and then look for my next, name in the credits. The next one yeah. that comes out, we'll, we'll, we'll see if his name is in yeah. the credits. Very good. Yep. <laughs> All right. Put it on the watch list in IMDb. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you put it on the watch list just by you know, putting raunchy golf comedy? Is that, that then alert you that to any new releases coming out? Or? I'll let you know that? how that works out. Yeah, well, you know, you think there'd be more of them, though, right? I mean, like Caddyshack is, is such a an amazing masterpiece of like <laughs> of a film, you know, and a comedy, and it's so great. And you know, I mean, you'd think there'd be like twenty wannabes, and there really aren't many. You know what I mean? So, I, I mean, I was kind of looking for other ones, and I, I a few straight. To, well, Caddyshack too. You know, <laughs> I think there was like another third one. If I maybe I'm not mistaken, there was like another third one where they didn't get any of the main people in it you know but there's been not very many uh, raunchy golf comedies you have like no. 10 cup but that was more of a drama right yeah right happy gilmore yeah 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 that would definitely qualify yeah um yeah okay <laughs> we, we we've taken a big side trip down a, a side yeah. trail here we're, we're off Sorry. the main trail that's okay it's yeah. good stuff good yeah. stuff oh uh, yeah <laughs> so Let's let's back up a little bit and talk about how you got involved in the outdoors, where your original connection was, your inspiration. Um, what, what's your background, Jason? Where'd you grow up? Uh, did you, your family growing up, did they have outdoor activities as hobbies like car camping or hiking? Um, yeah, so hiking, yes. So I grew up in, I was basically lived in Davis, California was where I was sort of born and raised. And then I moved down here, down to Southern California for high school, down Orange County. Um, my parents were great. My family was great about hiking and going. We would go to Yosemite almost once a year or Sequoia. Um, a lot of time up in like on the, on the coast as well, like Mendocino or, you know, Big Sur, places like that. So we did all kinds of those things and hiked. They were not campers though. So my parents did not, I think I maybe camped, you know, family-wise once with my dad. We did, there was like a 
I want to say Indian, maybe it was Indian guides. It was something like that. It was a, when you're younger, too young to be a Cub Scout, they had like a thing for that. And we camped in basically what was like a parking lot. You know what I mean? With some trees. Uh, I think that was the one time I camped with them and they were, they would love, they would rent the cabin. You know what I mean? They would mm-hmm. want to, we would always rent like a little house or a little cabin or a little hut and do that. And then we would do, do a lot of hiking. Um, you know, I did some hiking with my friends in high school and that kind of stuff a little bit, but I didn't, you know, it's funny. I was really got back into hiking kind of by myself in college. Um, and then weirdly, like right after college, me and a couple of my college friends all kind of just realized that we all wanted to backpack. And that was something we'd all always wanted to do, but it just, you know, between the, you know, the classwork and the drinking, it never came up in college. Right. So, (laughs) so, so right out of college, I started backpacking with a group of friends. I'll, I'll, I'll throw some shout outs to my friend, Matt Bouchard, uh, who I actually hiked with last weekend with him and his two kids, which was awesome. My friend, uh, Ted Billick and, uh, my friend, Chad Welton, and just, we just all started, I mean, it was kind of like, we never really got all four of us on one trip, but it would be me with like any combination of those guys, you know, and we just started going up and kind of once I found the, the Sierra, you know, it was, it was all over, you know, I wasn't making any money because I was a production assistant, which means, you know, no money, no, but I had you no know, gas, I was, gas was still cheap, you know, it was like a dollar a gallon, you know, and it was probably cheaper for me to go backpacking because I had all the gear than it was to like, you know, stay and drink with my friends, so I just started, I did a bunch of solo trips too. I just started going up to the Sierra all the time and, uh, you know, just started logging miles and doing all that. So that's kind of how I got hooked on it. Now you're really dating yourself there. The, uh, gasoline is cheaper than the booze. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> though. it was, well, the booze was a lot cheaper than two. That's true. But when you drank 10 of them, it was, you know, <laughs> that added up to more than a tank of gas. <laughs> I had good gas. I had a Volkswagen. It had good gas mileage too. So that, so that helped, you know, <laughs> Nice. And Jason, you probably won't be surprised to hear that you're not the first guest to come on the pod and say they got into hiking because it was cheap and it was all they can afford. Yeah. Yeah. I still love that about it, honestly. You know what I mean? I mean, I still love that for next to nothing, you get to have, have these just amazing experiences that are, you know, so fulfilling and so great. I mean, for, you know, I mean, it's, I guess there's a, like an initial cost, right? I mean, getting geared up and getting all of that is, is a little expensive, and then, of course, like most people, once you get into it, you become kind of gear obsessed a little bit, right? So you're, you're, you know, obsessing over getting better gear and improving gear and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, gosh, you know, I started out REI, you know, the, um, you know, like a half dome tent and a, uh, I forget what the pack was called, but their giant pack, you know, and I put weight, of course, carried 40 pounds too much, you know, and just started going out there and it was great. But it's funny, everybody's got the same story where it's like, okay, I've got all this cheap stuff, all the stuff I bought on sale, and there's this one thing I spent all my money on, whatever it is, like whether it's your jacket or your sleeping bag, but there's everybody's got one thing. I probably spent too much on this one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Starting out, I, probably my first, the first upper class thing I got, and a million people had this bag, so the, some people will recognize this, was my North Face Cat's Meow. You know, like a million people had that sleeping bag. So that was, I still have mine. It was, it still works. It's still actually quite comfortable. It's still great. It's just, again, it's so, you know, it's like this, it's massive. The the size of the thing is crazy when you put in a pack compared to like the, you know, what they can do now with, with the better materials. Um, So that was kind of my first splurge. And then I remember if we're going to go super nerdy, I, I, I put down, I took my dividend, which was massive because I bought so much the year before, even if it was all cheap gear. And I think, the first or second year backpacking, both of those were massive dividends. Yeah. I, I splurged for a smaller, you know, more up, I got a Gregory, a Gregory pack, you know, which was great. 
um, and not nothing against the the REI one, but the Gregory was definitely a step up in the in the comfort, and it was a little smaller, so I was less likely to overpack with it, you know. <laughs> yeah, Chopper, what what did you overspend on in your in your gear assortment? Uh, overspend on or spend the most on? What did you say? I, well, I, I've got to have this. Spent the most. I got a good uh, the Osprey pack. I have I like, and it was worth a couple extra bucks. It was right when it first came out, and the the salesman at REI did talk talk me into it but it, it fit and it was a, uh, I could put all the stuff in it. So I, that's probably one of my splurge the most Then everything else was pretty bottom of the barrel sale stuff that I've kind of added on to since then, but probably spent more money on that pack. Yeah. Chopper, which one of the two of us is more obsessed in talking about gear? I think that'd be you. <laughs> that's, that's specifically why I added the gear feature at the beginning of, of each episode. I want to make sure I was able to touch on it at least once per episode. So what was your no, big stock you know it was i think it was a sticker shock on the the pack you know same thing i got i ended up with a deuter pack and uh, it was great for the for the first trip and actually first couple of trips and then i i was doing some searching around for a pack for jukebox my son and bought him uh i saw it on ebay it was an auction deal got him a granite gear crown crown 60 and once that was delivered, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. I need to get one of these. And so I actually found one at probably half the price of the Deuter pack. And that's what I've been using ever since. And I, I just love it. So I thought you kept the new one and gave him the Deuter pack. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> no. I, I should say this is a, a slight humble brag here. Um, I use Osprey now because they actually gave me packs. <laughs> they sponsored my mile and a half. So, And then they sponsored the other short we did the year after, um, uh, a couple years after, No Attack, which is uh, I think throwing a plug in too, which is a real nice film. Um, and, uh, so they gave us some packs for that as, you know, for, for the sponsorship thing. So that was great. And, you know, they're so great and they're so comfortable. I, that's all I haven't needed, even though they're all a few years old now, I haven't needed to replace them. So yeah, pretty fantastic. Doc, Doc's waiting for the sponsorships to kick in too. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. It's not an easy, uh, that's a tough thing. It's a tough thing in your angle. <laughs> yeah. You beat me to it. The chopper. I was going to say the same thing. You know, Mrs. Doc is always asking, Hey, you got any sponsors yet? And uh, no, not, not quite yet. And I think I asked one of uh, my prior guests, it might've been Eric Larson, who was, uh, he's the only person to have gone to the South pole, North yeah. pole and top no, no, of yeah, Everest. Yeah. yeah, in, yeah. In one calendar year. And he said that, you know, it took him, you know, five, six, eight, ten 10 years to, to, you know, keep working hard and, and get a sponsor finally. So I, I told, told Mrs. Doc, you know, just, you know, eight and a half more years yeah. on, on the pod. We'll, we'll, we'll get a sponsor. Don't worry. I, to be fair, the, the problem is only three of those companies have money. You know what I mean? You right. have North Face, Patagonia, and REI, and the rest of them all honestly don't really have much money. You know, they have, it's not that they don't have any, but they don't necessarily have thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to throw away on, on not throw away, but you know, to like to do it. And many of them would probably like to do it. Um, it's easier to get gear than it is money, I will say. So sometimes if you like, you know, you know, you, you offer to do sort of in kind, or if it's a project they think will you know, present their projects, you can get gear, but you know, that's, it's a lot of hustle for not a lot. And if you already have the gear, sometimes I'm wondering, well, why do you do the hustle then? You know what I mean? Is it, is it worth it, worth the trouble? Um, but yeah. <laughs> for some of these bigger, uh, adventure people, it's the traveling. that has got to be the most expensive. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that, that adds a, again, the nice thing, you're not paying for hotels for most of these trips. Right. But, um, um, I'll share one little anecdote on that. Um, I did do a, a pretty amazing trip up to the Canadian Arctic on this island called Banks Island, which is uh, one of the, the westernmost island in the Canadian Arctic archipelago. 
Um, and it's a Canadian national park. I'm one of like a hundred people ever to have visited this national park. It's cool. that remote, but the flight, the charter flight, right. To get there, this is from Anuvik. So this isn't even the flights to get to Anuvik, which is if you look on a map in the middle of nowhere, um, it was $36,000 Canadian. Oh, so split, you know, split obviously, but I mean, it was a four, just that flight was around 4,000, depending on conversion rate, I forget, but it was a little over, my cut of that chair was over $4,000 just for that, that leg of the flight to get up there. So yeah, I mean, you look at it and, you know, it's certainly not cheap, you know. Yeah. So I mean, I take, spoiled, we can drive to the Sierra, so it makes it. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, no, super cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I've decided to take a different tack, and instead of you know continually trying to reach out to those you know three companies and getting rejected over and over again, I've I've taken to inviting uh, unsuspecting documentarians onto the podcast to see if I could get some sponsorships that way. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, hey, more power to you, man. I do. I do get questions from filmmakers. You know, people call me, and and that is definitely one of the like, you know, the biggest ones. And unfortunately, most of the questions I get, it's like they've tried a lot of things and it hasn't worked. So then they call me and thinking I have an answer. I'm like, no, we did. We tried a lot of those things, and they work to some extent, but not not much. You know, it's a very hard thing to do. You know, it's a hard. It's hard to get you know money to do it because think of it. It's such a desirable thing, right? So many people want to do it. You know, so it's a tough game. Yeah, would you mind if I if I just put on you know the 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 show notes that we're, we're we are sponsored by mile mile and a half? <laughs> go for uh, it. Just because you've, you've you've done a promo for us now, so yeah, hey, there you yeah. go. Yeah, okay, that's no, all right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no no financial incentive, but no uh, no by all means, yeah, <laughs> or approved. You can have like the mile mile and a half seal of approval. You know, maybe like a little check sign. Ooh, you know, ooh, with our I logo like over it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. See, yeah, I'll have a quote at the bottom, and it'll be by mile mile and a half. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, how I, it's how I get my mountain cred. I'm I'm sponsored by Mile Mom. Yeah, very good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see the film. Let's get to the film. I want to uh, sure. take just a minute here. I want to read the IMDb summary of the film. Okay, just to just to for those few listeners out there who have no idea what we're talking about on this episode, they've never seen Mile Mile and a Half. Pause. Pause the podcast right now. Hit the pause button. Go watch it, come back, and then you'll be, you'll be in the loop here. So, uh, but here we go. In an epic snow year, five friends leave their daily lives behind to hike California's historic John Muir Trail, a 211-mile stretch from Yosemite to Mount Whitney, the highest peak in the contiguous U.S. Their goal, complete the journey in 25 days while capturing the amazing sights and sounds they encounter along the way. Inspired by their bond, humor, artistry and dedication, the group continues to grow to include other artists, musicians, and adventure seekers. Before they all reach the summit, hikers and viewers alike affirm the old adage, it's about the journey, not the destination. Mile, Mile and a Half is the feature length documentary of that journey. And I know you've heard that description before because I think the Muir Project uh, probably wrote that description and you are uh, a so. I was gonna say associated. Are you the creator of the Muir Project? Um, I I don't think it's like there's any one one of us that's kind okay. of a creator. Mm -hmm. Um, the you know we all it was such a collaboration. You know we all worked so hard on it that it's kind of hard to say. You know I created it. I mean I I don't even remember whose idea it was. I mean it was basically we needed to make something to make the movie if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. and this came after before you know again we kind of didn't even know we were gonna do 
what we had in mind was nothing like what we ended up with. You know, we had no idea that's what it was going to be. There was going to be anything like that. So we had to come up with something, you know, and that was just basically what we, uh, the name we came up with and, you know, what we, you know, you have to name the entity if you're going to have a movie, right? Like, well, who writes the checks? Who, who you know, who, who, who do they hopefully someday write the checks to, right. you know, and, that, and that's, that's where that came from. Um, I'm sure, I, I mean, I remember meeting, you know, there's so much, you come up, there's so much of this stuff. It's like, you have, just have no idea how much of this kind of stuff there is at the beginning, you know, writing all these marketing lines, writing all these things, you know, and that was a huge cloud for all of us. We all pitched in, you know, one of us would write it maybe. And then the rest of us would, you know, send our notes and do whatever. And you, you care about every little detail and you work so hard on all that. And then within two years, you forget all that. You know, you're like, oh yeah, well, it happened. Clearly it happened. Someone wrote that. I don't, it might've been me. I might've written the first verse. I don't know. You know, Jen might've written it. I don't, you know, she, I know she did a lot of that kind of stuff too. So I, I'm, to be honest, I, I don't, I don't, I have no recollection of who wrote that or, or even who came up with the mural project. But I, I mean, that was a name we all would have talked. We all talked. I remember us talking about it as to who came up with the initial idea. Yeah, I, I, I will. If I'm going to give myself one pat on the back, I did have the idea. I was my idea to do the, the John Muir documentary. Um, and that kind of interestingly came in a different way. Um, the backstory on that was when I got my first HDTV, it was like a, a Sony rear projection, you know, looked great at the time, you know, it was kind of cool, but there was like no HD programming. This was maybe right. the early 2000s, right? And like they had like that Discovery HD channel and they just kept rerunning the same like 10 things over and over again, like every day, you know, the first day you're all excited. You're like, wow, this is amazing. The Canadian Rockies in HD. And then like two days later, like, oh, they're running it again. And then, you know, another two days later, oh, they're running it again. I'm like, well, hey, there's no, there, there clearly was like a need for content, right? And obviously I was backpacking a ton at that time. And I, I'm assuming, I'm pretty sure it was probably when I did the Ray Lakes loop that I saw John Muir trail around that time. I'm like, oh, wow, that would be like an amazing thing to do you know, an HD documentary on because, you know, I had, hadn't done the whole thing at that time, but I'd probably, I'd done a lot of sections of it, you know, on other hikes or crossed paths with it or being in those areas. I'm like, that'd be like the, the perfect thing to do it, you know. Um, but then by the time we did it, so mind you, this is the early 2000s. And then like, it took us like, you know, <laughs> 10 years before it finally happened. I mean, we even, we did like a little test trip, uh, Rick and Jen and I, um gosh probably four years maybe before we did the final finally did the trail and just did some test shooting and you know some thoughts of it you know and of course the final thing was nothing like what we were kind of anticipating it was going to be plus by that time everything was in hd so there was no you know that that type of film was we, we kind of realized it even going in that you know that's not really the type of film that you know um you know is, is people are buying or need right now so you know it would have been a more straight laced kind of naturey kind of thing was kind of, I think what we initially thought it was going to be. So, so straight laced naturey kind of thing. Am I, I'm envisioning kind of one of those as I'm in the store looking at the, at which set I'm going to buy. This is just kind of an unnarrated uh, yeah. visual spectacular of uh, the John Muir trail. Yeah. Is, is that kind of what the original idea was? Yeah, no, absolutely. So like you go into Best Buy and, and next to the screen with uh, Michael McDonald, you know, the great singer, the Doobie Brothers and whatever, who was on, for some reason on every display TV and every electronic store ever, there would be like our movie on the next TV over with like beautiful nature shots. That was kind of the initial idea, you know, you know, and hopefully you'd be hearing the, the dulcet tones of, you know, Michael McDonald over, you know, th and through the great speakers they had in there but you'd be looking at our nature thing. You know, so the original goal was to sell the best yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> 
all of our younger listeners right now are frantically Googling Michael McDonald. Yeah. Yeah. And right. Yeah. And it was probably like the good guys are circuit city all the, all that time ago, you know, which, which best buy killed, but you know, <laughs> and now Amazon is killing best buy. So, you know, Hey, this is, it happens. <laughs> names, names from the past, good yeah. guys and circuit city. Yeah. And federated. Are there any of the federated people out there? That's like a way back one. That was like the, 80s i think maybe into the early 90s that was a that was a socal one at least i don't know yeah you remember you remember the federated commercials yeah the guy yeah the blonde guy was yeah was with, the long, name, with the mullet yes yeah. his name fred fred rated was yeah that fred said? rated yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. got some audio file crossover here <laughs> yes okay so your cast your the five friends that the yeah. imdb summary refers to we've got you Mm-hmm. We've got Rick and Jen, who are married, mm-hmm. correct? We've got yes. Durand, mm-hmm. and Z is the fifth one? Yes. Yeah, Z yes. was the initial one, yeah. Okay, yeah. and how did, how did the five of you come to be? How did, how did you know each other, and uh, how did this idea come up to say, hey, let's go pack everything on our backs, plus, sure. plus dozens and dozens and dozens more pounds of camera equipment and haul that across the Sierras? That sounds like a good idea. Yeah. Well, so Rick and I worked, um, not so much, we worked in the same place, not so much together. Like we didn't interact with each other professionally when we worked together, but we, we worked at, um, at CBS. Um, this would be like 2000, mid two thousands maybe. And, uh, they loved him and his, what him and Jen had done backpacking before and they loved it. And then just through, he found out that I did it, you know, and through that we ended up doing, um, a, a ski trip together. Uh, to this place called Ostrander Ski Hut, which is amazing. And everyone should try to go if they can. It's uh, uh, 10 miles in the backcountry in Yosemite at the foot of this lake. There's this old ski hut that was built in the 30s. It's this beautiful stone structure way out in the wilderness. Uh, so they came along with me. With, I actually think I met, didn't meet, the first time I met Jen is when, when like the cars, you know, showed up that morning to drive up to do that trip. Uh, so we did, that was like the first trip we did together. And it was really hard because it's a really hard trip. Um, but, you know, everyone had fun, you know, still no one, you know, you realize, okay, these are the kind of people that you can, you know, slog with, you know. And um, yeah, we did a couple trips after that. We, you know, and I think on that, I was probably when I first introduced that whole idea of doing the documentary on the John Muir Trail. Um, Rick and I actually did collaborate on a lot of sort of fun, creative short film projects back back then, before then too, you know, because we were sort of the two guys some of the two guys there that would actually do that make our own little short films and make our own things for fun, you know, just cause that's what we wanted to do. Um, so I think, yeah, I think it kind of just naturally fit that way because we all love backpacking and we all love the wilderness, you know, doing that kind of thing and making films it just, it all sort of naturally came to be that way. Nice. Oh, and then I should add Durand. So Durand worked with Rick on, on some commercial shoots and, you know, he found out he backpacked. Z was the most random. Um, Z was, a friend of Rick's and the only reason I say the most random is he had never really backpacked before. Um, you know, spoiler tell. alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert on, on that one. Um, but uh, so that he was kind of the random one in that sense, but, uh, and uh, you know, um, you know, great guy, obviously. And, you know, we're, st- we all are still good friends. Um, we all still talk. So yeah, it's, you know, it was, it was uh, you know, it was great. It was a very bonding experience too. Absolutely. You could tell. Yeah. And I, I feel I don't know about Chopper, but I feel like I'm I'm friends with all of you because I've I've yeah. watched I've watched the documentary so many times. And actually, in preparing 
for uh, this episode. I, you know, I, I watched it again today. You know, I, I spent an extra half hour this morning getting up a little bit early before work, watched some of it, came home for lunch, watched some more of it, got home from, from work and, and watched the rest of it uh, as I'm eating dinner and mm-hmm. getting ready to turn on the, the, uh, the, the record button here. So I, I just feel like uh, all of you are, are close friends. So Chopper, you have yeah. the same, same feeling or? Yeah, and it's, it's, I think that's one of the reasons why everybody who watches it enjoys it so much. Um, because it's not just one person doing a documentary. Most of the things you see like on YouTube now, it's one person videotaping themselves and maybe they have a couple people they talk to, but you guys took so much time and care to get to know everybody and like the interviews, well, you know, the sunset and the beautiful rock behind it. There was so much time put forth to, you know, learn everybody, understand who they are. Even just the folks you pick up on along the way you know, on the trail, yeah. like all of a sudden they're in the, they're in the movie, they're in the interviews and, I think that's the difference between my mile, mile and a half and the other ones. Not that they're not good quality. It's just, yeah. there's just so much care and you, you sit and enjoy the people. You get to know them differently. It's so much more casual. And for me, that's what really resonates when I watch it. It's like, like, yeah. you're saying, Doc, I know that person. I, I, that person looks really familiar. I know the way they're feeling. I know the way, uh, you know, they're reacting. Yeah. I, I think our biggest goal though, was to try to make it feel like what the trip felt like, you know what I mean? Right. So I think that, you know, that, that was, what we did, I guess that was that. And, and the one thing I will say audio, uh, yeah. people underrate how important uh, audio is in, in these things. And, and, you know, I, I don't mean to call anyone out, but a lot of them, it's like you have a camera mic from 10 feet away and it's windy out. And right. you know what I mean? It just, I mean, so I go, I always, as, as much as it pains me to give a sound guy credit and even more painful to give Durand any credit. <laughs> um, no, having him along was actually really huge. And even like maybe subtle things you might not, notice like all the sound he captured it's very subtle because it's living underneath everything else but it, it adds such a depth to the film that that a lot of hiking films don't do and it's very difficult and, and actually kind of expensive which is another thing that that maybe you know you know having professional people do that is a huge advantage and you know you know and helped us quite a bit you know so because everything looks good now cameras are so good and so easy to use now everything looks good you know if it doesn't it's like wow you you know, it's kind of bad because it's pretty easy to get stuff to look good now compared to what it used to be. I think the other difference is there was four of you who were like yeah. the, the artists creating it. Yeah. And Collaborative. The other ones, it's one person and they're yeah. doing their best and they're trying to cover yeah. everything. They're moving cameras and walking by them. But it, I think all of you working together is what make separates this movie from other ones. Yeah. Thank you. That's very kind. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> For our listeners who are not watching this on YouTube, uh, it was interesting that Tank visibly winced as he gave credit to a sound editor. So yeah, he, he, yeah. he, was, he was in pain when sound he said guy. that. <laughs> yeah, camera guys, sound guys, you know, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a battle. <laughs> but, but actually, too, also, like the whole, to give it even Duran more of a plug, you know, we kind of, when Z, again, spoiler alert, when Z backed out, Z was supposed to be sort of the guy filming all the behind the scenes and the, you know, oh, the okay. other stuff, right? The non, well, Rick and I, the artistes, right? The artsy guys were going to set up all the pretty shots. You know, he was going to get all the, just the other stuff. And when he left, you know, we basically had this camera, we're like, well, here, have it, Duran, you know. And a lot of the stuff he filmed was, he was just filming all the goofing around camp stuff, which ended up being, you know, such a big part of the storytelling aspect of the film. You know, and we probably wouldn't have had that. Trust me, none of us would have behaved. I, man, there are parts in that movie when I watch it, I cringe. It's just a, what a fool I am. Still to the state. I mean, it's great. I mean, it's real. So it's important to keep it in there. But you're just like, oh, God, I'm such a 
dork, you know, but those moments are the ones that kind of make it real. Right. And kind of create, you know, and, and, and made it. And he was the one that captured a lot of those moments. You know, otherwise I don't think we would have had a movie, certainly not what we ended up with, you know? Yeah. Tank, you mentioned this in the film there. I, I, I think you said that there's no hiding. There's no hiding on the trail. I mean, who you are comes out mm-hmm. on the trail. So I mean, yeah. if you, if you yeah. were dorky on the trail, I'm sorry, man. You, you just, there's a little, uh, little, little dorkiness to you. Yeah, no, no, there's not a little dorkiness. There's like a massive like dump tr- dumpster full of dorkiness to me. There's, yeah, there's no shortage of things that I dork out on, you know, you know, luckily dorks are, are like more popular now that, you know, those of us who were dorks in the 80s, the 80s were tough if you were a dork, you know, in high school and whatever. Now it's like, everyone's like, everyone's kind of a dork, you know, the world is made for dorks now. So it's a little easier, you know, it's easier to be one, <laughs> but yeah, no, I'm proud of my dorkiness now. <laughs> Very good. Hey, we're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we will continue to explore the boundaries of dorkiness in the, in the wild. Uh, also get into some more nitty gritty of filmmaking and the actual trail. So stay tuned for that. We'll be right back. From the back country to the backyard, we believe everyone deserves the highest level of protection. Since 1984, Sawyer Products offers the best, most technologically advanced solutions for protection against sun, bugs, and water, using time-released liposome technology, topical insect repellents, and new standards in water filtration. And with every Sawyer product you buy, you are helping to provide clean water through 140 charities in 80 countries with their long-lasting water filters. Every Sawyer product you buy is an investment in our common humanity. Choose Sawyer and keep the adventure going knowing that their products have been tested and chosen by those who count on serious protection on the trail all day long. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I feel like my creativity has raised to another level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com backslash podcasters to get started. Hi, this is Jason Fitzpatrick. I'm a producer, a director, a writer, an editor, photographer, probably best known for a mile, mile and a half. And you're listening to the John Freakin' Muir podcast. And welcome back. We're talking to Jason Fitzpatrick, also known as Tank. He's the co-producer, co-director, and writer of the outstanding JMT documentary, Mile, Mile and a Half. Now, Tank um, really enjoyed the, the artistic flair of the film with, you know, different segments being introduced with John Muir quotes with the graphics, with the, you know, the, the mileage and the elevation change and uh, just a, a, a really, really 
polished uh, feel to the film. Who's, uh, was that, was that your, under your area of expertise or was that Jen or how, how did that all come about? No, we actually went to somebody outside of us to, to do the, the drawings. Um, I think Rick is an okay drawer, but I, you know, probably not necessarily on, on what would have been good enough for this. And I don't know that he had the bandwidth with all the other work we were doing on it and, you know, supporting ourselves and that kind of stuff. Um, we actually had all the journals and all the drawings were done by um, an artist named Colby Kirk. Um, Condor um, is his trail name. Uh, you might recognize him. And funny enough, we passed him on the trail. So he was doing the PCT northbound while we were going southbound. And we crossed paths on the Golden Staircase on the Jumeir Trail, which was kind of cool. Um, he released this amazing video. And you can find it. I think it's called like Condor's... Um, PCT journey and some of the you have been watching this or been paying attention for years might remember it he did like a selfie a day of himself on the PCT and he did a whole thing where it's just a, a sequence of all the pictures one a day of the whole thing you know of the PC he didn't do the whole thing but he didn't finish it but he did everything he did and it was really neat so it was fantastic and that came out kind of around the same time as our um the first thing we released which was a music video for Opus Orange you know did an amazing job with all the music um and we kind of got in touch that way and then i think we just through social media whatever hey we passed we talked to him we passed you know we talked i think he and rick had a little conversation and all that kind of stuff um and through that we saw his journals these these amazing journals he does um and you know we met him through that and said hey we kind of were looking for something a little different or a little unique you know like rather than doing like motion graphics you know which there are some in there and, and we had a, a great amazing motion graphics guy who's also an amazing outdoors person uh, mike kelly did all of that stuff for us um so but 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 the actual drawings are probably what you're thinking of when you view it like you're saying that all that was done by uh, by colby kirk so i love the um, map you guys have i think you have it on your mirror project website with the, yeah. all the two going up in that, Is that yeah yeah we had that drawn because you know there were a bunch you could get on the web but you know we wanted you know you try to i guess one thing i'd say is you try to sort of create an aesthetic right and you want right. to kind of stick to that aesthetic so i think uh there, I mean, Rick, maybe I, that might have been Rick's idea now that I recall to have Colby draw that out too. I don't, I don't, again, a lot of that stuff is, is a blur now, but uh, yeah, I look at it, I, I saved a copy of it on my computer. I oh, cool. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's very neat. Yeah. yeah. Colby's a great guy, a really wonderful guy too. So, <laughs> well, is that, you know, that elevation map, is that available for purchase on the Mirror Project website? Gosh, I don't even know. It's been a while since I've been in your project website. It's been a couple of years I just, I just since I've been the doing image. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, it's all right. Uh, honestly, I mean, that's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, and, you know, have at it. Um, we do still sell like DVDs and things still sell. And I, I, you know, I know we still have stuff. So if you want to go to the store, it's still open. Um, you know, that's obviously slowed down now that it's been out for a while, but uh it's only like beer can huggers and yeah, exactly. And yeah. All t-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Probably off-size t-shirts and uh, you know, and, and some posters and you know, I don't know, whatever people didn't want from all the stuff we threw <laughs> out there on that store, you know? <laughs> so you guys went, uh, what year was that? Did you guys did the, did the trip? 10 year, 10 years ago. We did it. Uh, yeah. 20, 2011. So the, uh, the 10th, uh, yeah, the, the, um, the 10th anniversary of our trip is, is this year. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any special events planned to commemorate the 10th anniversary? We, you know, it's funny cause you know, now we're just now talking about it. Cause obviously we did the trail in, 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 in uh, July. So it's a few months away. So we're starting to talk about it. We haven't come to any, any decisions yet. Um, again, you know, the movie came out a few years later. So, we, so that's kind of maybe more the real 10 year anniversary. So we will do some things. We might be more, have, 
I don't know. It's, it, COVID is kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like so much of the joy of that project, at least when it came out was like, you know, we did all of our own, we did a lot of our own screenings that we put on and we kind of took it on the road and Opus Orange would play live music before and, and all that. And it was just, that was so much of the joy of it. And we, obviously this year, that's not going to happen. I mean, maybe there's a tiny chance that, that, that it would be okay through the vaccines or whatever by then, but probably not. So I don't know. We'll see. We, something will be done. It will be commemorated. I don't know what yet. Um, and we haven't made that decision. And we literally just started talking about it last week. So, so who knows, but I, I, I will say with the 10 year thing of the movie. So in like two years, definitely we'll do something big then hopefully we'll do some kind of big fun but i don't even know what can we do can we even all can even all of us get in a room together i don't even know you know what i mean so it's kind of a a, yeah it's kind of an idea but it will be commemorated we will do some stuff some fun stuff for certain um but yeah covid might have uh you know made made us more apt to celebrate the the 10 year of the movie release as opposed to the 10 year of the trip you know well, may I suggest something? And if this if this catches fire, just mm-hmm. you just put my name in the credits. You know, at the at the okay. end. Okay, that's right. I'm I'm proposing a sequel. We call it Mile Mile and Three Quarters. Could could be, yeah. What do you think, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't know. I hope we hope to do something again. We talk, we try to talk about it. It's just coming up with the the right idea, at the right time, and you know, you know, Rick and Jen have a daughter now. Duran has two small kids, and you know how life is. It's really hard to find the timing to do that. And, and, you know, the, 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 the amount of work, uh, you know, the trail was kind of the great part, right? The hard part was the next two years of having a second full-time job, right. you, you know, making the movie and getting it out. So, so I don't know, I think eventually something we'll, we hopefully we'll at least do another short, do something else, you know, have some fun. Um, we'll do some video, something for the 10 year, if that's this year or, the, or, you know, two more years down the road. Well, you know, something will be done. I don't know what yet. We're still just starting to talk about it. So, um, yeah, I don't know, hopefully. But, uh, you know, it's not that we don't want to work together or we don't want to do trips together. We, we do trips together, but usually it's more just like we can sneak away for a weekend. You know, and it's probably been a couple of years since we've been able to do that. So um, just with, you know, real life and all that kind of stuff. So, so they'll go on a trip, you know, I'm busy, you know, I'll go on a trip, they're busy and that, and, and that kind of stuff. So. so you said you've done a lot of uh, sections of the John Muir before i mean mm-hmm. snow of the year you guys were vi- making that video was insane yeah i mean it's a completely different experience and obviously at the time it you know it was hard and a time and a couple times terrifying <laughs> <laughs> but but you know it, it certainly i think it made obviously the movie greatly profited from that aesthetically just how, how much be- more beautiful it was i think with the snow i mean it's beautiful already but there's a certain beauty and, and a different beauty than a lot of the way a lot of people experience it because of the snow. Well, and obviously so it made, hard. oh yeah, it, it made it so much more hard that I think it made the story, you know, there's a certain much added credibility to the adventure side of it. You know, as hard as it is, even without snow, you know, having like Mather Pass, oh my God, I mean, having to kick, you know, having 60 plus pounds on your back and having to kick straight up in the snow and then like scramble rock climb straight up on like these crumbling shelves of rock. I mean, that's, that's exactly terrifying. Well, the, yeah. The fear of injury is what every time we're walking through the snow sections. And the yeah. Sections, I couldn't. Well, and me, as I said, I'm, so, I'm the Sasquatchy one plus 60 pound, 70 pound pack. Yeah. I was post holing left and right. And you know, that's, that's scary in some places, you know, I mean, you can, go pretty far down if you know depending you, you know. can't get back up yeah yeah i had to get i had to get helped out of at least one or two of those just because you know i had all this weight on my back and i fell so deep that you know up your mirror pass once in particular i mean i went down to like 
you know, my waist, you know, it's like, how do you climb out of that? You know, I mean, you're like, you know, <laughs> you're like trapped in there. So I had to get helped out. So, yeah. <laughs> so 2011 was a 200% snow year compared yeah. to normal. Right. Yeah. And you, yeah. you hiked in the aftermath of that. Um, and I, I think it's just a testament to um, never growing bored with a particular trail, especially in these Sierras, because the conditions can vary so much from year to year. Chopper, when you and I uh, hiked with Buddy, did the southern half of the JMT, that was uh, 2015, and it wasn't particularly a, a heavy snow year that the year before. It was super low, as I recall. It was a drought. Yeah. Well, that was the drought year. We, we hit, and then I think it was like, gosh, five, six years of drought years after that. Yeah. So, um, and then before we finally got some snow. And then Jukebox and I, my son, we hiked it in 2017, that same stretch, the southern half, and it was one of those heavy snow years. And, it, you know, it was to the point where I was, I was pretty concerned before we left because I had heard about these river crossings and, uh, you know, ranger notices, and I was trying to do all my research. A bridge may have been washed out. It, maybe it wasn't washed out. And um, so a lot of those scenes from mile, mile and a half really struck a chord with me because I remember... Uh, some of those river crossings. And I particularly remember going up Forrester and uh, seeing that same level of snow that you guys were trekking through. It felt like, yeah. an, Ar it felt like an Arctic expedition uh, at one point. And I've got yeah. pictures that looks like we're on the on, you know, side of Everest. Yeah. No, it was pretty cool. It was kind of funny because, you know, we, we had that second, if you watch the movie, like, that's when the musicians had joined us, our friends right. had joined us. And that was their first, um, their first pass. You know, and it's the highest pass other than, you know, Trailcrest uh, by Whitney. Um, so we had been over, what, how many, what is it, 14 passes? I forget how many there are now. But uh, we had been over all these other ones. So for us, it was, don't get me wrong, you're still like, yeah, this is pretty hard and whatever. But they were kind of, you know, we were a little bit more ready for <laughs> for the experience of, of, you know, being in the snow and traveling than they were. And they were pretty, I think it freaked them out pretty good, you know. <laughs> I can't imagine going northbound where that's what you hit first is Trail Crest and then uh, yeah. Forrester. Well, it's yeah. all downhill from there, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I did do a, a, another short documentary called Unsupported on the people who go for the fastest known time on the John Muir Trail. Those people are uh, nuts. Yeah, they, yeah. And almost all of them, most of them, almost all of them go northbound because it's a net down instead of a net up. Because, you know, you start at Whitney and you finish in Yosemite. But yeah, I mean, obviously, if you can, you think you can do the FKT on the JMT, you're pretty fit. So yeah. doing all the hardest stuff in the beginning isn't that hard. But otherwise, you know, it, it's obviously hard enough coming the other way. And, you know, the, you know, it's the lower elevation. And um, I mean, Donna Pugh Pass is like 12,000, I think, mm -hmm. right? If I'm yeah. not mistaken. But then it's most of the, yeah, you work your way up with the passes, kind of get higher, higher, higher after that. So, yeah. So what is the the FKT on the JMT? Oh, it's absurd now. Um, it's no, it's under three days. For the, I did it on the unsupported record, which is still over three days. It's like three days and six hours. But um, yeah, this uh, um, they're both, it's a Europeans hold both now. I think Aurelian Sanchez is one of them. I think he's the unsupported one. And I think it's at like three days, six hours around that. And then, um, oh, I'm forgetting his name. That's terrible. Um, but the, uh, the guy that had, the guy who did it supported, um, it's under three days now, which if you can even imagine doing that in that distance like that. I mean, you know, we did it in 24 days, so you can imagine doing it that, you know? Um, yeah, it's just staggering. I mean, that blows my mind, you know? And, and when I did the doc, uh, Andy, Andrew Bentz had it and his record was three days and 11 hours. So even that, I mean, I mean, you know, it's just crazy, hard to believe. <laughs> 
That's nuts. I mean, you, you're, you're basically running for yeah. what, 18 hours a day or longer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's insane. Yeah. Insane. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, all credit due to the, to the supported one, you know, um, but you know, the supported one, they have pacers, they have people handing them food, they have people doing the navigation. I mean, to do it, to push yourself that hard, you know, and the level, I mean, they all have hallucinations, like crazy hallucinations and all kinds of nutty, crazy stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's a, it's a crazy endeavor for sure. Well, according to Google, unsupported is your uh, friend Arlen Sanchez at yeah. three days and three hours and 55 Oof. minutes. Yeah. And supported is Francois Dehart, yeah. and I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Mm -hmm. Two days, 19 hours and 26 minutes. Wow. That's insane. Right? So that's, yeah, 211 miles and, and yeah, under three days. I mean, and that's, that's not like you're running flat on a street. I mean, you know, 30, oh, 37,000 foot net gain, I think. I, I mean, there's varying numbers on that, but at least that's close, you know. And it listed as north to south and south to north. So the north to south is uh, unsupported as four days and eight hours. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. It just shows you how much harder it is, almost twice as long. Yeah, yeah. You'll also probably be happy that when I Google the FKT John Muir Trail, it says, watch Unsupported, a documentary about four FKT attempts. Oh, so, cool. Very nice. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, watch it, everyone. That's right. <laughs> it was, I think, you know, that's become a much bigger thing now, trail running. I did it, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I mean, I only finished it like two or three years ago, but um, it, it wasn't as much interest as I kind of thought there would be. And then you kind of, you know, now it's now these things are getting out there and there there was a much more viral thing and there's far more eyeballs on it than there were when i released it i think i came out with it two years too early so yeah that group is a niche of a niche of a niche it really is it, it absolutely even more so than say through hikers or any right. other kind of and, and you know it's also they're just kind of a different breed you know what i mean they're just a little bit different than the rest of us you know and they're not really i don't know it was funny, you know, here, all these people are in this movie and I'm like, Hey, share it, you know? And they're like, okay. And, but, but they don't, you know, they, they, even the people in it weren't as like sort of, I think as excited as other people might've been who've been a part of the movie. They were all amazing and so welcoming and so great about it. But I don't think it was like, you know, for them, I don't know. It's, it's just a different kind of, just what I do. Yeah. Yeah. They're just wired different. You know, they're all kind of interestingly, like all of them are, come from like a scientist background, you know, two of the people in the movie have PhDs in astrophysics you know, one from Harvard, one from, uh, I think, Caltech, you know, my safety schools. Um, so, you know, but, you know, and then nurses, they all kind of have that weird kind of sciencey thing. Not all of them, but most of them do. You know what I mean? So it's kind of a, a, an interesting thing, I, I thought, you know. the things oh, dude, that, like, If you look at any cross-country teams, that's all made up of kids like that. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely a, a thing. <laughs> yeah, I, did, had I, did, a, I, I didn't run cross-country. No, neither did I. <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few uh, ultra runners on the podcast on, mm -hmm. on various episodes and they are fascinating people yeah. to talk to and yeah. you know, constantly trying to find their limit. And, you know, 201, when I've asked them, have you found your limit? Nope. I haven't found it yet. I'm still, still looking, but yeah. uh, I had a real, the real pleasure of talking to Michael Wardian in uh, season two, episode one of the John freaking mirror pod. And I discovered in the interview, I obviously had not done my research well enough because I discovered in the interview that he had participated in the Barkley marathons, which as mm -hmm. chopper knows is an obsession of mine. So, yeah. So, well, I'm hoping I'm actually sort of helping out on a documentary now about legend. Do you guys know legend who legend is? 
<laughs> he got the um, the FKT on the Colorado Trail last year. The year before, he did like the Arizona Trail and the Long Trail. I think those those FKTs have been grabbed since. But he was he was supposed to do the. He's he's become a good friend. He's a, a really awesome guy. Super funny crazy you should check him out uh the free outside is his handle if you want to look into his stuff but he's he's a certainly a very entertaining person to follow and, and a really good guy but he was supposed to do it last year before uh, covid canceled it you know and he'd been training like crazy and all this stuff and then it you know it didn't happen so um you know consolation prize he got the colorado the fkt unsupported fkt on the colorado trail but uh wow. and yeah. he, he's legend legend yeah legend the free outside the free outside is like his uh, handle so like if you go to instagram it's the free Got outside it. and he wrote a book called the free outside about um as well so yeah and so should i drop the name jason fitzpatrick or tank <laughs> i think I jason, Fitz, jason fitzpatrick would be the one he, he'd probably recognize okay all right if you say tank he's gonna think of airborne's dog frank he'll be like <laughs> you'd be like airborne's dog is you talk to his dog his dog can talk What's going on? You know. <laughs> the best interview I've had. Yeah. No, he and Air, I met him and Airborne at the same time. They're good friends as well. So that's kind of part of a circle. Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Now, I know when, when Chopper, and I, Chopper and I did the JMT, um, just half of the JMT, not the full thing, yeah. our packs were, were weighing in at, what, 40 pounds, 42 pounds? Yeah, right at 35, 40, that range. Lightweight, yeah. weight weenies, weight weenies. <laughs> you guys are like 75 pounds, 65 yeah. pounds. Yeah, I, I probably close to 80 at my biggest, the biggest, uh, the two big loads, you know, when we had the big long week stretches without resupply. Yeah. That's so, that just yeah. sounds painful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, probably could do it a lot lighter now with, you know, camera gears lighter right. uh, and better. I mean, Luckily, I've gotten, you know, even just in 10 years, like the gear has gotten better, you know, the synthetic stuff has gotten a lot better. So I, I could definitely travel lighter and whatever. Um, but, you know, when I, I'm still, it's hard because, you know, photography is kind of my thing now too. And it's so hard to not bring lenses and lenses are not light. You know what I mean? So like, no matter what I do, there's like probably 10 plus pounds of camera gear coming with me. So no matter how light I get my pack, otherwise, um, I did finally get like a, a the, the you know, they gave me the one, the ones they gave me for no attack up in Alaska that Osprey was kind of to give me is I think it's a 35 liter or 40 liter. So it's pretty small. Right. So like anything under like three days and less, that's what I bring. You know what I mean? And, you know, so my gear has gotten tinier and tinier and tinier, you know, like I was using a jet boil. Now I just, I use this, um, see summit collapsible kettle. I don't know if you guys have seen that. I use that in a tiny little snow peak stove. So like my kit, you know, my cook kit is like this really narrow tiny little thing and you know a lot of it is bulk as well as weight you know um so i've you know that tiny little spark uh i hope i'm saying that right from mountain hardware my my finally have a small sleeping bag you know put my tent uh strap that to the bottom and you know so i could traveling much lighter but but no matter what with the camera gear it's like add 15 pounds so no matter how low my base weight is i'm i'm lugging but that was that was something else i mean i had a uh a gregory denali pack is what i what i took on the jmt um, I, you know, and that's like 6,000 CC, just mass. I don't know. I forget what that is, but it's like the biggest one. They, it's like their mountaineering expedition pack. And it was pretty full almost the whole time. So, you know, small children. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and then, you know, bring seven days of food. Right. And you know, everything else, <laughs> batteries, you know, it adds up. <laughs> so mile, mile and a half has become a big part of uh, trail prep 
for a lot of the hikers out there, source of inspiration. They, they want to hike the JMT. They're going to, they're going to check this film out and, and take a look at what they're in for. And so a lot of people have seen the film, but I want to give our listeners a, and, and viewers a, a real treat here and see if you have any behind the scenes stories from the trip that we might not be aware of. Are there any, any escapades that went on during the trip itself that didn't actually make the film? The cutting room floor. That's right. <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I'd have to go back and watch some of this stuff. You know, the original version, the original cut of this of it was around, um, you know, fifteen to twenty minutes longer than the final, and nothing got really cut out that didn't need to. Um, but it was actually quite a bit. Um, I don't know if racy might be a strong thing, but there was a lot more swearing, a lot more adult humor, you know, and a lot more of that in. But what happened was um, when we released the, um, you know, the, the first video and we started doing our Kickstarter campaign and getting um, expo- a lot of exposure that way, we started getting messages and things from kids. You know what I mean? Like a lot of little kids and we're like, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're like, well, you know, like, yeah, there's no reason. None of it. There was some funny stuff, but I don't think there was anything that, that was so amazing that it necessarily needed to stay in the movie, you know? But we, we made, you know, we decided we did want to make it something that would be pretty good for families. And actually on the DVD, we even have a, um, an audio version you can turn on that has less swearing in it, you know. And we weren't that bad, but, you know, we did swear. There's a few swear words in it, you know. Um, no, nowhere near as many as were uttered on the trail, I can tell you that. Well, um, your 10th anniversary, you can release the director's cut and have everything. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's another thing. I mean, we, the the system we used it, we we edited it on Final Cut uh, Seven. <laughs> yeah, which is no longer in existence. You know, it's it's been dead for about ten years, or not ten, <laughs> but probably five six years. So, like, no computer now can even run it. They don't support it. So we'd have to find an old computer. You know, I mean, we still have all the media, so I guess we could probably figure out some way of, you know, whatever. But I don't think Rick or I have the time anymore to go back and, 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 you know, dig all that up and find all that and go through it all. Uh, we'll do, if we do something, we'll probably want to do something new. You know what I mean? Some, some, a new experience and maybe find some old, old, oldie, but goodie stuff. That's new. too bad. I had another contribution for you. I was going to say, you can call the director's cut 10th, 10th anniversary director's cut mile, mile and a freaking half only. Yeah. Not freaking, yeah, so. not freaking though. Yeah, yeah. no, absolutely. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think of, I know there were probably some some good moments that didn't make it, you know, and some funny things. Um, gosh, I'm just, some of the conversations Durand and I had were just so bad. You know, I'm ashamed of them 10 years later, but obviously that's, you know, <laughs> I think because like, you know, Rick and Jen were married, you know, this was especially in the little period where we lost Z. Um, you know, there was maybe before um, um, uh, Dave and Kelly joined us, you know, and then Kaz and everyone else. Uh, you know, I think it was just Duran and I, and then they were a couple. So Duran and I were together and, you know, you know, our, yeah, we're both, you know, definitely like off color humor. So there was, there was some, now. Yeah. there were, there were a few, there were a few. Um, I don't, I don't know what rated what rating this podcast is. So I don't know how, uh, how, but, how, 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 you know, how, how graphic to get. Well, it, it depends. It depends on the guest. I, I have no problem if, yeah. if we, we dip into that range. I'll just put the yeah. E on that particular episode. So Okay. No, yeah. no. Let, let's keep it family. I mean, the, the okay. whole project has been about families and kids and, you know, are wanting, we wanted that on some of that. So we'll keep <laughs> far, it far be it from me to be yeah. your, your, your yeah. squeaky clean reputation tank. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, what's uh, if you, can you give me a top three, top three, um, favorite parts of the trail 
of the John Muir Trail? Ooh, yeah, gosh, there's so many, right? I know. Can you narrow it down to three? It's tough. Yeah, I think um, I think my favorite part was like the Upper Palisade and like the Golden Staircase. I there would I don't know. I think we hit really good conditions there too, so the weather was nice. Um, you know, getting up to, to the, um, the lake the, we didn't hit snow until Mather right after that, which was terrifying, but you know, um, so that part I thought was just absolutely stunning. And, and I love the, the remoteness of that, you know what I mean? Like how far you, that was like, you know, it's deep in the Southern part of it. So you're really far away from anything. Um, you know, obviously like evolution, you know, evolution, meadow basin lake that whole area mm-hmm. um is is really gorgeous you know I, the cascade valley you know it gets lost a bit in some of the other bigger name places you know but coming down from uh, like purple lake yeah you know, when, you, when you hike down into that that meadow and that valley i mean you're kind of running along it and from above it's nice but man once you can kind of get down in there and then you do the uh the crazy bridge, that crazy big bridge crossing. Um, oh, it's escaping me at the moment, but you know, you anyone that's done it yeah. knows what I'm talking yeah. about. Um, you know, that area turn off to VVR. Yeah. 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 Or before that. Yeah. But yeah. you kind of go up to Squall, uh, Squall Lake mm-hmm. um, uh, was where we camped that night, but hiking down through in there, I think again, that we just hit really good conditions. You know, we were so ready for anything without snow that, you know, those uh, I'm kind of listing are some of the snow free, <laughs> There is that we were able to hike, you know, and anything above that, there's probably just jaw dropping stuff. And it, it was jaw dropping for us, but you know, it was snow. So it's kind of hard to, you know, maybe, maybe it doesn't live in the memory quite as much as, uh, you know, um, you know, as, as, as other places do. Um, but I mean, honestly, it's all, it's just also gorgeous, really. You know, there's not really like a boring or, or like ugly stretch there's a little something for everyone you know and then it also kind of surprises you like you know you're coming down between say forester and you know and the turn off to crabtree that area is so kind of unique right it's like this weird almost desert up there that, that you haven't seen and you haven't been through anything like there but it's its own kind of unique ecosystem and it's just different and and kind of spectacular and beautiful so yeah yeah that would be uh those are, but I'll, I'll stick with uh with upper palisade um that stretch of evolution and uh, and uh, Cascade Valley, I think we're. Yeah, I favorites. think you guys touch on it. I don't remember who said it, but it's uh, around Golden Staircase. It's like you have to work to get there. That's me. That's yeah, I think that was my. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was really what stuck to me. Like you, you really had to earn. Right. You know, it's the kind of place that you have to earn it. You know. Yeah, I have a friend. I have a friend who's like, "Well, can I just drive to any of those?" And it's like, "No, you really got to work and get out there and go do it." I mean, there's there's some nice places you can drive through, and there's places that sort of. You know, there are a few places I think that kind of touch the, the level of scenery and whatever, but the feeling of being away, you really can't really, really can't replicate, I don't think, in anywhere you can drive through. Um, the closest place in California I can think of is Mineral King. I don't know if, if you guys have ever been to Mineral King. Oh, that's kind of, yes. That's where that's my, a, my name that, Chopper comes from, Mineral King. I okay, yeah, that road is that road is so bad that, you know, you don't get the RVs, you don't get many people. Right. You know, you have that little resort, um, Silver City, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Like, but that's even 10 miles from the, from the valley. So, you, you know, you, you can kind of get away there and camping there feels remote, right? And you don't really have the, the party crew up there. I don't think they're going to want to drive that road. So that's, that's close. And scenery-wise, like, you know, you have Tenaya Lake and Convict Lake and, you know, June Lake. And, and those are all stunning and gorgeous. It's kind of neat to be able to drive to them because you can see them. Right. But it kind of doesn't match the feeling of having hike three, three, being three days walk or two days walk away from, you know, a road or from, you know, a, a house or 
like I said, all those lakes are beautiful, but because you can get to them and anybody can get to them, it's just not the same. No, it, it isn't. You know what I mean? And they're beautiful. They are beautiful and they're yeah. cool. You know, North and South Lake. But, you know. <laughs> North, yeah, North and South Lake and Bishop, you know, up, up Bishop Pass is, is really cool too. Um, places you can drive through, you know, if you want to see kind of the stuff we talk about or see kind of what it looks like. But yeah, it's not going to be the same as, as, as if you hike to it. That's for sure. Because we all know the same things. When you come back, the pictures just don't yeah really do it I and mean, even yeah. the, the great equipment you guys had it's yeah. just not the same no no you can't you can't match the feeling you do what you can but you know it's it's a uh, it's kind of impossible <laughs> yeah i'm going to give credit to a former guest on the podcast jay wilson who threw out the legendary phrase that i think sums it all up is that uh, there's a frustration with thousand word pictures in million word places yeah, so you're, oh, you're in a million word place and you only have a thousand word picture and it does not do it justice. No, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we kind of glossed over uh, Chopper and his nickname. I want to make sure you, you get the full, the full story yeah. here. How, how did that happen? I think. He uh -oh. was stuck between Black Rock Pass and Sawtooth Pass on Mineral King Loop with altitude sickness. Mm. So uh, the, the ranger decided, actually it was the hospital at Visalia decided that I should be pulled out by helicopter because oh. I couldn't walk out without going over a 12,000. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Don't you know that if you catch and, and drink the blood of a marmot that cures altitude sickness? Oh, now, yeah. now you tell me. Yeah. You should have had this podcast years ago. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have a different nickname that was less embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> more Are you Doc because you, you, you revived him or resuscitated him as he was dying of altitude sickness? Is that yeah, you remember that scene from you remember that scene from Pulp Fiction with the hypodermic right in the middle of the chest? Yeah, yeah. 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 Breastplate. You gotta break the the bre the, the, bre the breastplate. That's right. I took I took my time with the Sharpie and I marked the dot, you know, where I had yeah. to go and yeah. boom. He, he was taking selfies of himself laughing while I'm lying in the woods. <laughs> yes, yeah, that sounds about right. I think me and most of my friends would that would be about the same thing. So yeah. He's like, Are you gonna die? No, I'm good. All right, we're gonna go goof around. Yeah. <laughs> and Tank, I can't tell you how disappointed I was when they didn't strap him to the skid of the helicopter. They actually put him in a flight suit and brought him inside. That was uh -huh. really disappointing. Now, did they put you in any kind of like pressurized thing or anything because no, of the no, altitude? No. no. Okay. By, the, by the time they made the decision to pull me out, I was feeling fine. And the right. was actually mapping out how we were going to get out of there so it'd be all safe. And the yeah. doctors in the emergency room made the call. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and did you get a bill for that? Did you get a really large bill for that? Nothing for the helicopter. Oh, wow. Okay. The ambulance ride from the edge of the National Forest yeah. to the hospital in Visalia. So that was a couple grand. Yeah, those helicopter bills can be really crazy. Yeah, but um, they never sent a bill for the helicopter. No. There so, you go. And, I, and I'm not calling them up asking what, you know. No. <laughs> that's, why, that's why I go by yeah. Chopper so they can't. If, if they do go, yeah. So send that to Colin Nielsen. Hey, 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 trail names, buddy. Yeah, what right, are we doing? Right, yeah. <laughs> you can bleep that if you, you can bleep the name. If you want to do that. <laughs> Very good. Hey, we're going to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get to uh, talking about some of the people you met along the way. Sure. See if we can get an update on some of our major players here sure. in the film, see what they're doing now. Yeah. And we're also going to talk a little bit about the Muir Project and the Almost There podcast. So Great. stay tuned for that. We'll be yeah. right back. Hey, this is Jeff Hester from SoCalHiker.net. And when I'm not out backpacking, 
in the mountains or hiking, day hiking out in the Cascades, I'm listening to the John Freakin' Muir Pod. And welcome back. Hitting the third segment here. Got Jason Fitzpatrick of Mile, Mile and a Half with us tonight. A very special episode indeed, Chopper. And one of the things that was, was really interesting for me was just the accumulation of people that you had on, on the trip. It was like a snowball rolling downhill, uh, just getting bigger and bigger, your group that is. And yeah. you just you seem to add uh, all kinds of people. First there was, uh, I think it was David and Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. A couple of teachers that you, you picked yep. up along the way who decided yeah. that they wanted to spend time with you guys and just keep mm-hmm. going. Yeah. And then you, you met up with uh, Tom and Kristen, who were yep. brother sister mm-hmm. uh, painting duo. You know, yep. had a very artistic uh, side to themselves, uh, sure painting, trying to capture what they saw out there on, mm-hmm. on canvas. And then you had a bunch of friends meet up with you uh, shortly towards the end there. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, was it Kearsarge Keir- uh, heading towards yeah. Forrester. Yep. Yep. And then you had, so you had the, quite this, this group on top of Mount Whitney with yeah. this final performance, which, which was just epic. And one Japanese <laughs> woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say that again, Chopper. And one Japanese woman who joined in. Yes. Kazoo. Yeah. Kazoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, it was funny, like, um, with Kazoo especially, you know, cause we, we actually, you talk about the travel being, we flew her out from Japan to do her, her interview after, you know, we just, Oh, okay. Because in our initial cuts, it's like, how do you do it? You know what I mean? We none of us spoke Japanese, you know, and her English wasn't great at the time. So, so like, you know, it was kind of a language barrier. We didn't know she even really felt comfortable doing it. But then, like talking to her, we, we flew her out, and we with a translator, we did her her interview. But you know, we did actually pay to fly her from Japan and put her up for a couple of weeks and took her hiking. And you know, and and I guess if you want an update, uh, she she then a couple of years later hiked the entire PCT by herself. So oh, wow. Yeah, so pretty, pretty crazy. <laughs> She's a pretty awesome person. So you're, uh, pretty you're, still in, you're obviously still in contact with everybody. Yeah, yeah, yep. Everyone, uh, yeah, everyone does good. You know, um, uh, Kristen did the JMT again uh, of the painters, Kristen and Tom, and um, uh, we talked to talked talked to both of them every once in a while. Um, yeah, talked to Dave Kelly every once in a while. Talk, yeah, well, everyone's doing good. We all, you know, still chat every once in a while. You know, um, I think maybe one thing on one reason why. You know, because you had like, I think the obstacles were, you know, with the snow and the high levels of the, were a little scarier maybe than they would be in a normal year, right? right? I think you always do tend to get groups, right? People come together, you know, shared misery, shared experience. So people come together. Um, but maybe this year, one of the things was, you, you know, you, you, it, it felt good to have more people, you know, having your back, right? It, it felt like you maybe needed that, you know, it was, it was a little more comfortable knowing you had, you know, like, like, two or you know two or three other people along or more people with you going over some of these obstacles yeah that's really noticeable when you got to crossing bear creek and it was a yeah a lot of support required yeah yeah no no doubt i mean that was you know again i'm the sasquatch so it wasn't that uh, for me it wasn't that bad but again i'm six three you know i'm a big guy so you know gosh i you know poor you know kelly and jen you know i mean what's up to my waist you know it's kind of up to their you know up to their like shoulders up to their neck you know, so, so yeah, I mean, and it was very, very, I, you know, they've, I don't know why they've never, at least I, to my knowledge, they've never built a bridge there. And I kind of don't know why it seems like it would be kind of an easy place. And every time there's a, every time there's a snow year, you know, that, it, you know, the, the, it gets really dangerous and, you know, there's, you know, people going through and obviously the year we did it there, 
two girls uh, fell in and washed down. They survived, I believe, but they, they got washed down a ways and that was scary. So seems like an, it seems like a no brainer to me to, you know, get in there and put something up there, you know, <laughs> um, other than that, everything felt be your next project. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, Chopper, we've got them where we want them. What, uh, what question have you always wanted to ask about mile, mile and a half? Uh, I mean, when you guys first set out to do it, was it, did you expect the amount of appreciation and love that this movie has, has kind of gained over the years? Oh, no, no. Um, <laughs> well, one, we didn't even know it was going to be a movie. You know, we thought it was going to be like some kind of like, um, you know, again, like we weren't even going to be in the original thought of the movie. We weren't going to be in it. You know what I mean? It was going to be like a glory beauty piece on, on the Yeah, you know what I mean? So there was never any... You know, we always joke that, you know, um, if you watch the video for Almost There, that's the movie we set out to make. The three-minute music video is the movie we set out to make, you know. <laughs> and then My Mile and a Half is the hour and a half behind the scenes piece on on the, the three-minute piece, you know. So so definitely not. Um, you know, and even right up until, you know, it's funny, we, you know, you gosh, you work, you work so hard on it. You put so much of your time and your whatever in it. And, you know, in our case, you put your own money into it going, you know, as it's, you know, when you're, when you're making it, um, you know, it was kind of cool. Like our, I think we premiered at a film festival um, down here in LA called, um, um, oh, gosh, certain brain fart all of a sudden, but uh, Dances with Films, which is kind of a, a big independent film festival, you know, and they, they tend to have more sort of artsy, you know, artistic kind of flair, but, right. but it just, it kind of worked out. And, you know, you know, they're, they're, we started, I think we knew we had something because like, we were doing events to, you know, during the Kickstarter campaign and stuff, we did a bunch of like in-store events and stuff down here where we had, you know, the musicians, PB and, and Bernie and, and the rest of Opus Orange play music and we'd show cuts and, and we created a bunch of our, you know, you have to make the stuff anyway. So we're like, hey, why not release a behind the scenes piece, you know, at this thing. So you come to the, you know, REI or you come to the Adventure 16, you know, rest in peace, Adventure 16, very sad. Um, you know, and you, and you, and you see the trailer, you see us and we'd be there, you know, just to try to build awareness. And we had like crazy, you know, turnout for those things. So we kind of started with, all right, well, I guess we, it looks like this is, might actually be something, you know? Sure. Yeah. And then our premiere was crazy. I mean, it was just insane. I mean, we, we sold out the first premiere in like less than an hour and then we sold out a second one. I, I don't know if anything since has, but at least for the time for that film festival that had been around for a good you know, 15 years or so, we, you know, sold out, most don't sell out, we sold out too within, you know, and I think sold more tickets than any other, other thing, you know, and then at the event, we had, you know, there were like lines out the door, you know, and we had them running kind of concurrently, like staggered, so we had to run from one thing to the other, and, you know, and, and, you know, and then the nice thing, you know, you hear people laugh when you want them to laugh, you hear, you feel the, you feel it in the room, you know, you can feel the room, you know what I mean, and you, what you want people to feel, they're, they seem to be feeling, you know, there are, there were a few, um, just a side note, there were a few things that like we didn't think were funny or, or things that landed differently to us than they did to like audiences like Z. Like Z's whole thing, like man, like Rick and I were almost in tears, like literally in tears crying that hurt. we were so sad watching that footage, you know. But people laugh in the audience when they see it and we're like, whoa, whoa. It was just like very shocking to us because it was such a different experience for it's us good. having been in it and we were so sad. 
Yeah, you know, he's calling me Meadows, and he's just walking down the highway by himself. It's like, okay, yeah. bye. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, or, or even, you know, when he was behind us and he was filming himself, we didn't know he was doing that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't even know he was that far behind us, honestly. I mean, that was a hard, hard day. And, you know, it was like <laughs> snow, and Days. a couple of people said, you should have left. I'm like, I didn't even know he left him. I was just trying to find find where to go. I mean, I was exhausted and dead, you know? I mean, that was, it was people, you know, didn't realize how hard it was for us too. It wasn't like we were like, we, you know, I mean, the trail disappeared in the snow every 200 feet and you're going down a steep ledge, you know, into Tuolumne Meadows from like where Cathedral Lakes are. And half of that was snow and like treacherous, you know? So it was hard, you know, but it, so it was a much different emotional thing for us, but yeah, that was kind of cool when that happened. And, you know, and then it, it uh, so definitely never had any even inkling or, I mean, it far surpassed our, you know, what we imagined it would, would ever be certainly, especially coming into it, you know, and then after you have hopes and you hope that it, it does this, you know, I think we had, we were all super proud of it and thought, you know, I think we, we made it for audiences, you know, if that audiences right. would like it and hikers would like it, we really, thought about that and that was a lot of the thought process creatively in making it so well it so, seems like know. it still resonates with people because yeah. we talk to it's they're, they're, they they love it and it's one of the the common yeah. themes of everybody's like I, I watched mile mile and a half and then i did this this and this so it's in everybody's list yeah no it's 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 uh you know i mean i mean it's really just been i mean the stuff you know it's funny it's like you know, we made a little money on it. Not, not a lot. You know, when you spread it, there are a lot of pieces to the pie. So, so we all, we made, you know, we got our money back, which is great. And we get little checks every, you know, a couple times a year, we get a little check in the mail from it from still. And that's fantastic. But I mean, you know, I mean, the, the really amazing stuff is, you know, you get, we got letters from like, you know, like quadriplegics and from like, you know, soldiers with PTSD and those kinds of things. You know what I mean? You know, handicapped kids, people that couldn't do it. You know what I mean? Or people that, you know, always had wanted to do it and weren't able to, and we're too old now. Just all those kind of, man, we got so many of those kind of messages. And I mean, that was just like the most amazing thing about it, honestly. That was the most, that's what really made it honestly worthwhile, you know, cool. was was all that kind, that kind of response, you know. And these are just people loving it and enjoying it, you know. Um, and I have people will quote me to me, which is always very funny. And I don't know what they're talking about. And they're like, Oh yeah. Didn't you say, Oh yeah, I guess I did say that in the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got a couple, I've got a couple questions. One sure. is uh, the title of the film. Who came mm -hmm. up with that? That is, that is the most appropriate epic <laughs> so, title for a, for a hiking right. documentary. So it was kind of the working title. Um, and basically it, it's Jen and Kelly making fun of me because I really, most of the navigation sort of fell to me and, and Durand a bit as well, but they would always ask me how much further. And I would, I guess I kept just whatever. Oh, I think we're about a mile, mile and a half. You know, I mean, that was just what I said. I didn't, I think because I legitimately thought we were only like a mile, mile and a half every time they'd ask, cause that was around how far from camp you really wanted to know how far camp was. Right. Yep. So I kept saying that. And then they kept, they started teasing me about it, you know? Um, and then I think when it just came, again, we were trying to think of titles. That was kind of the funny one and it kind of matched the spirit. And, and, you know, um, there was, you know, some question if it wasn't too uh, esoteric, you know, or a little too out there, but at the end of the day, you know, we're like, I'm like, I'd rather have it be, I think we all kind of agreed. We'd all rather have it be, something different right or something that people hear and go huh you know what i mean and and you know or what what's that mean you know or and the people that know it would get it right and that mm -hmm. so that was kind of why we went with it um we also i don't think we ever came up with anything we liked 
to be honest, I don't recall what the other ones were, which obviously shows how bad the other ones were. So <laughs> just by process of elimination and none of us being able to come up with anything more clever, you know, um, that, that's what we landed on. <laughs> yeah. And then the film poster image yeah. of the boots yeah. just lined up like that. Again, another. This is for your YouTube viewers. Hold on one sec. Okay. This, uh, there, there it go. is. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yep. There you go. There. <laughs> He's holding up a giant poster of the uh, uh, giant poster has been sitting there for like eight years without moving until just now just waiting <laughs> just, for this just waiting for this moment that i could show your youtube viewers uh, show it to your youtube viewers but yes go ahead sorry i didn't mean to no no it's okay <laughs> so again the inspiration or yeah. the, the brainchild of, of that particular image because it just captures it i mean it's it's that was all jen that iconic. was all jen's idea she's like hey can you take your boots off i'm like why i want to take my boots off you know and and, uh, but yeah, she, she lined up those pictures. I mean, she honestly, like, I, I got to give Jen so much credit for like the marketing stuff and everything. I mean, she designed like all of that aesthetic stuff. And I mean, that kind of stuff is really underrated how important that kind of stuff is, you know, in the launching of a movie and everything like that and, and how important that is. And, and she did such an amazing job and she worked really hard on it too. So, so I give full credit to Jen on that. Yeah. And that's her photo. Um, yeah. So that was kind of neat. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, one more question. What does a yeah. uh, veteran hiker tank? What is, what does he whisper into newbie hiker Jason's ear before he starts on this, this epic trail? What did, what did you wish you knew before embarking on this? Um, gosh, I wish I knew how to move through snow better. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. For this one. I mean, yeah, obviously there was an epic, there was an epic picture and just a snippet yeah of the, the perspective of the sun cups that you guys yeah. had to deal with. That yeah. It was just so striking. And, and anybody watching it, if they weren't familiar with, with sun cups, it would just go right by them. But that, that was such a severe sun cuppage. I don't even know how you, just, how you describe it. Was how, so it, hard it, to go through it, man. Oh yeah. No, no. And it was like, they're very hard to travel through and those were really deep as well. So it's like, I remember like slip, I mean, post holing through one landing in and being like, like an egg and like, you know, an egg carton. I was like that inside the sun cup, just like nest, nestled in there, you know, it's uh, a great image. Yeah. No, but I mean, moving through that, it was very hard. Um, I mean, obviously if you want to say, what did I learn through backpacking again? A lot of it is just, you don't need that. You don't need this. You don't need this. Don't take this. Don't do that. You know, stay on the trail, know where you're going before those kinds of things that everyone learns maybe the hard way, hopefully not too hard, you know, or they hear about it and someone else's and learn it through someone else's hard experience. Um, so mostly that stuff, but, uh, I was pretty seasoned. Some people got a misconception that that was like our first backpacking trip. We even got some angry emails. You don't do that first. You know, losers don't know what they're doing. I'm like, I had done a third, obviously a third of that trail on other trips and probably God, I don't even know, 50 plus Sierra trips before that. So, I mean, I was very experienced. I did notice you had a little disclaimer in one of your, at the very end. Yeah. About, you know, they don't necessarily do the things that we did. What were yeah. some of the things that people push back on? Um, you know, it wasn't that bad at all. It was, I mean, the one thing we did, it, it's up at Squaw Lake. Um, we camped on like vegetation, you know, on like yeah. a meadow yeah. area. And like, <laughs> I noticed that. Yeah. I was like, ah. Yeah, but, but, you know, we didn't, honestly didn't know. Um, so there was that. So, Hey, don't do that. We didn't right. do it intentionally. It wasn't like we were flipping off, you know, rules exactly. and regulations. That was just something we hadn't heard. And 
and even like honestly part of my nickname tank is because i would just walk through anything straight through the mud straight through the water and they didn't even realize that's what you're supposed to do i'm like no no that's what you do because if you walk to the side you start deteriorating the side of the trail and you get these side trails and you look at like say lyle canyon which is looks like the you know 405 freeway now it's so wide you know from all the tracks you try to prevent that so it might not be fun or comfortable to walk straight through the deep muddy gorge but that's technically what you're supposed to do so that's what i was doing and i hopefully i think they probably got a little better about it after that but um that's how i got the name tank and then we did actually camp in one place that was closed for restoration by garnet lake but that was not our fault um there were someone had uh, there were signs and someone had stolen or gotten rid of the signs so we didn't know so we camped there without knowing that we weren't supposed to camp there but that wasn't our fault and you know they were you know they just told us someone uh one of the rangers just told us somewhere along the line we found out they're like yeah just an fyi i'm like oh we didn't see the signs and we never were in a million years would have camped there if 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 we had seen the signs and knew that you know so shame on whoever tore down those signs and you know you know i don't know some ruffian All right. Very nice. So we, we talked about the Muir project a little bit earlier. This was the, uh, the organization that you guys formed yeah. as part of you know, making the movie, right? And signing yeah. the checks, writing the checks. Yeah. That kind of thing. What, what, is that still uh, an active organization? Are, are there still things happening with the Muir project or is it just kind of... Uh, well, I mean, I run the social media. So now it's more an Instagram, you know, occasional Facebook thing than anything. Got it. Um, I mean, it still lives. And also, obviously, we still have a store that's, that doesn't do much business anymore. We still have, you know, it's still, it's, you know, it's part of, it's on Amazon Prime now, the film, if people want to see it. Um, we have other projects that we've done. You know, and I think we hope to do something again. It's not like we don't want to. It's just, you know, it's like you got to, again, you know, it's you're a pretty special thing if you're able to, you know, have five or six people take a month off and do something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I think eventually, we, you know, if something comes up or the right adventure comes up or the right opportunity comes up and we'd love to do something again, but it's not like we don't have like meetings. We have phone calls every like, again, we just had one funny enough. I say we don't have meetings and we just actually had a conference call like a week ago again, because of the 10th anniversary, um, you know, of, the, of us doing the hike and like, Hey, should we do something? What are we going to do? You know, that kind of stuff. So, um, so yeah, so it does, it does, but it's not like a really, not like a hugely active thing. I think it's more, it's there. I mean, you know, we worked really hard to build that following. So like, you know, for me, for my photography, for, for like, you know, the the podcast I'm co-hosting now, like this for plugging this, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I mean, that does become an asset and you do lose that asset if you leave it. Right. Like if you don't post for two years, that following is gone. Right. So, and, and I think, you know, we would like to do something again, I think at some point, hopefully. So having it there and having it in place and at least having that much and, the business of it all is still intact. So, so it's, it is still there and it still does exist. It's just not as, you know, as busy or as, as much a part of our, our lives as it was when we were making, you know, making and then releasing a mile, mile and a half, you know, right. Or the first year or two since once it was out, you know, well, that's but, how you can raise money for the bridge at Bear Creek. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> now you have a place. Hey, yeah, Tank, yeah, Tank, yeah. Do me a favor. Your next conference call sure. with the group. Can you can you throw out my ideas about mile, mile and three quarters, uh, or, or mile, course, mile yeah. and a freaking half? You know. The, yeah. No. Absolutely. I, I kind of wonder. Yeah, I wonder if like I honestly wonder if we would even. It's not that we couldn't do it, but it would be so different now. Like, because most of the stuff that's really good in that movie, we didn't think was was ever going to be seen by anyone. Do you know what I mean? It's a very different thing when you're goofing off and someone's filming it than you're goofing off with a camera knowing the camera's there and you're like aware of the camera. Does that make sense? So, I I mean, you know, I mean, I don't mind. If you watch, I did release, um, if you watch No Attack, 
which was uh, is on our Vimeo page if you want to find it, um, the Mirror Project Vimeo page. We did also release a, a behind the scenes, which I initially made to kind of release with Unsupported because we needed stuff. Uh, I really, do you guys know Chris Smead? Have you had Chris Smead on the show or do you know who no. he is? Um, he made the High Sierra Trail documentary and he did the, um, uh, he, his, his stuff is really good. You guys should reach out to him and, and people should search, search out his stuff. It's really good and entertaining if you like hiking movies. But we screened... Um, uh, his film, The High Sierra Trail, with Unsupported, and then also this, I made the, I did this behind the scenes of the making of No Attack, which is the closest thing to Mile, Mile and a Half since Mile, Mile and a Half, because it is me, Rick, and Jen farting around a lot, making the movie, the serious drama movie we made about Jim and Tip, who you'll remember from Mile, Mile and a Half as the, the older gentleman we met on the trail. So, right. um, so check those out. And if you want to see us fooling around like Mile, Mile and a Half, check out that behind the scenes piece. It's just up on our Vimeo page for anyone to watch. So, yeah. All right. Very good. Tell us about uh, your podcast, the Almost There podcast. Yeah, it was the Almost There Adventure podcast, um, named after Opus Orange, kind of named after the Opus Orange song, which is our theme song. So we're still still milking PB for all for all he's worth, you know, musical genius, awesome human being. Um, yeah, it's it's hosted by myself and uh, Jeff Hester, who you guys have had on the show. Yep. Um, who's the SoCal hiker and runs Six Pack of Peaks, and then our, our friend Severia Tilden who runs Adventure Us Women. That's like Adventure US Women. And she's like, uh, does a lot of amazing events for women in the outdoors to like empower women and, you know, get them all outside and all kinds of cool fun stuff. So yeah, it's like the three of us. And, you know, it's very broad. It's not just hiking. It's kind of like we, we have everyone, you know, from cyclists to mountain bikers to, you know, outdoors people, hikers, you know, trail runners. So it's kind of a broad thing. We've had like, you know, we kind of try to keep it broad, basically, you know, mm -hmm. just anyone we think will be someone interesting to talk to for an hour. We, we we're they're more than welcome to come on. So that's been our, what it's been about. <laughs> yeah. How long have you guys been doing that? How many seasons do you have or episodes? Uh, th around 30 out now a year. We do it every other week. Okay. Um, and then we do four in March. We did four in March last year. We're doing four in March this year uh, for women's month. We do like four episodes all with like women as our, as our guests to nice. celebrate like women's history month and that kind of stuff. So we're doing that again. Um, but yeah, so and they're about an hour long, kind of similar to this, you know, not, not too different. <laughs> we don't do the YouTube thing, but you know, <laughs> you guys are going to become, our, that you guys gonna become arch rivals. Yeah, I know. I know. You know, it's funny. Like anyone that thinks that it's kind of like, there's so little content kind of created in the space, right? Like you, you'd need to like go a hundred more podcasts or films or whatever to match probably what the demand is honestly right and the money isn't there to do that people's time isn't there to do that so i never think that way and i always you know i mean i think the outdoor film community i think i'm assuming hopefully the podcast community as well is pretty welcoming and pretty whatever and we're all just trying to help each other out and have fun you know like i want to i want you uh, this i want to listen to the once i can drive places again i want to listen to this more you know I did have a cool, I did listen to this going through Northern Nevada through the middle of nowhere in the desert. So that was kind of neat when I listened to Jeff's episode. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I, we all want more content, right? There, we haven't reached that. There's no money in it anyway, as you guys know. So there's not like we're fighting over that, you know? Um, you know, and it's not like TV networks or film studios who, you know, in order for their $300 million budget movie to make money, they have to crush the competition because they can't afford right those butts in the seats losing however many millions of those people, right? And they lose the money. That's not what this is like at all. It's like we're all- This is everybody sharing the same information on the same exactly. media and crossover and building the network. Yeah. It's, it's all the same people talking about the same stuff and having a good time about it. Exactly. And, and you know, it's fun, right? I mean, when, I mean, hikers are usually pretty nice people, right? <laughs> well, one or two of them, maybe not. Yeah, yeah a couple of them. Not all of them. There's, there's a few. <laughs> all right. Hey, Tank. Tank, you know where we are? Where are we? 
We are at that part of the episode where I ask you for your pro tip insight of the week. I hope you've got something stored up for us, some, some piece of wisdom, hiking wisdom that you can share with our listeners to make their next adventure that much better. Okay. Yeah. My pro tip is going to involve, and this is taking a, this is even a little throwback to the one piece of gear, the initial piece of gear I said you should bring and that's snacks. Snacks are incredibly important and bring the right, bring in the right kind of snacks. You know, a lot of people think you need to bring some form of healthy snack or some kind of whatever, but I'm going to say, no, bring whatever it is you crave and the most palatable snacks you can for a couple of reasons. You know, you're going to be burning, especially if you're covering miles, you're going to be burning a lot of calories. That's not a thing. You're going to be sweating a lot. So if you get really salty and really delicious, really tasty, like snacks that are easy to eat, because also at altitude, you sort of, you know, you, you, your appetite goes away. So the more palatable, the more delicious, the more whatever are your snacks. And make sure to eat snacks while you're hiking and re replenish your calories. It'll, you'll have more energy at the end and it'll be a more enjoyable. You'll be less angry, you know, when you get to your campsite and you'll enjoy it more. You hear that, Chopper? You'd be less angry when you get Man to the campsite. my own heart. Yeah. Eat more. Exactly. And more often. <laughs> yes. That's true. I used to, I, I got into the habit of just having like a bag of trail mix in my pocket. And I would just yeah. take this nibble on it on the, on the way. And you know what I love are those like cheese cracker peanut butter, they have peanut butter and cheese oh, yeah. and peanut butter ones. And they're delicious. They're super, I would never, like you eat one here and they're too salty and they're, you know, it's not something that I want to eat in here, but up there, you're like, oh my God, these things are amazing. You know, they're super delicious and filling. So things like that, like trail mix, especially, I, you know, hey, put, get the trail mix with some chocolate in it, right? And yeah. some, so some, it melts, big deal. Exactly. Well, get the M&M ones, you know, and then they won't melt in your hand. Um, but that kind of stuff. And, and uh, I cycle a lot too. I, I do road riding and, and I did a, a, a fancy ride and um, a pro, pro cyclist, pretty well known one, came up alongside me and, you know, sucked down a gel. You know, heard his beep on his watch and he sucked down a gel and, and we chatted for a second before he dropped me and he's like, oh yeah, every 45 minutes, you know, the alarm goes off, reminds himself to eat something. So, you know, hiking, same thing, right? Keep that effort going, keeps you going. You're just burning calories. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So there you have it. That's it. This incredible bonus episode for season two is in the books. Hope our listeners enjoyed our time with Tank. And I want to thank him for joining us this week. Tank, how can our listeners keep up with you on social media and where can they find updates on your latest adventures? Uh, yeah, well, at the Muir Project is, of course, the same Instagram handle as my mile and a half and all that. And I still post weekly a couple times a week, usually. Um, you know, the Muir Project on Facebook as well. It's, you know, I don't post there as often, but, you know, who knows if we start getting busy, you know, we'll, we'll do more there. Um, and then again, I have the podcast. That's the Almost There Adventure Podcast. That's, you know, Apple, wherever you find your podcast, that's there. Um, and we have a, a Instagram. It's not as big, but uh, the Almost almost There uh, underscore AP. Um, yeah, and that, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> All right. Very good. Remember to check out the pod on social media as well. We are on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have comments or clips you want to share, you can send it to me at johnfreakandmuir at gmail.com. Tank, I'm also looking to give our listeners your recommendation for a book, a movie, a documentary, a website, a YouTube channel, something that can keep them connected to the outdoor adventures. I'm calling this our adventure media recommendation. And so if we're not going to recommend, uh, mile mile and a half which is it, it's a given you need to watch that or unsupported and included with prime now you can give yes. us money which we don't mind if you go to our www.mmah.com we sell digital downloads but it is included with prime so you know nice. watch it 
Mm-hmm. You, you've already dropped a number of uh, tidbits about adventure media out there during this episode, but do you yeah. have anything else on, on the shelf that you might be able to recommend? I got two. Look at this. Okay. <laughs> Look at this. How's this for readiness? Wow. So, so free outside is the one I dropped. That's uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Garmeyer. I don't know, whichever way is up, but uh, yeah. So this is great. He's a good friend. Um, and then the adventure gap it's, it's, um, written by, uh, by my friend, James Edward Mills. It's, it's about diversity in the outdoors, which is, you know, a pretty important topic and that kind of stuff. So both are great. Give them a read. Very cool. good. We'll check those out. Mm-hmm. That's a wrap from the John Freakamir studio. Any shout outs to friends and family, Jason? Yeah, I'm going to shout out to, uh, Eric Soto, the mutual friend of, uh, Chopper and I, Chopper shepherded his kids through high school, right? Is that, is, am I saying that right? The, the, the kids were the same age. Our, our, yeah. I think Eric's youngest and our two of our kids were in the same class. Yeah. So he's the one that kind of set this up uh, and put us in touch. Uh, Raider fan, super awesome guy. So I'm going to shout out to Eric Soto. <laughs> Very good. Nice. I was the one that actually did the shepherding. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was the school employee, so. Oh, that's right. Okay, so yeah. sorry, Doc. I knew I knew I'll, one of you. I'll uh, take credit for it with the heck. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for tuning in. Always remember the trail is the trail. It doesn't care if you want to go downhill. It doesn't care if it's almost dark and you're looking for a campsite. The trail is the trail. Embrace the suck. <laughs> Thank you.